0: All right, let's talk about the star system. So you've watched Hail, Caesar, and now we're going to move on to the movie star. Now, the movie star is a quintessential part of all of filmmaking because um, you can't make films without it. Um, But what happened was that the studios basically created movie stars Um, And the star system that was in place became the mechanics of stardom. So you got to think about it in the mid-1930s, all these studios were working together and they were making stars. And how did Marilyn Monroe come to be? How did Audrey Hepburn come to be? How did Gregory Peck come to be? All these people were created basically from studio systems. And you can see a little bit of that when you look at the cowboy character in Hail Caesar or Scarlett Johansson's character and the way that that all came into play. So in the mid-1930s, most of the news that were concerned the public and private activities were was movie stars, very similar to like what we still do now. There's whole networks and channels based on different theories of movie stars. That's why you have E! Entertainment Television and Bravo. Like it's creating these weird little movie stars that we are obsessed with. Um, And that happened way back in the 1930s. Hollywood became less of a factory and more of a place where royalty reside. It's why we think so highly of movie stars. It's why there are different things put in place. So stars images were created by the studios and they were carefully fabricated. Um, they believe movies, movie studios thought stars were for fun and for profits. Um, and they would probe um, into the film stars and studios lives and probes into the off scene lives of movie stars. So different press release would be made or, um, in order to make sure it would be like, oh, Doris Day and Rock Hudson went on a cruise together. And then that kind of let other people to facilitate what happened. Um, it was quoted that like God makes the movie stars. It's up to the producers to find them. So it was that concept that they're constantly manufacturing movie stars, which basically played a crucial economic role in the history of the film industry. So the presence of an established star in a film was an unproven commodity because the star provide the studio with a tangible attraction. It's an image. It's what's advertised. It's what they could market with. It's why anytime the rock or um, Vin Diesel is put on something, not that those are my favorite, they know that the movie in the is going to do well in the box office. So Mary Pickford is one of the first movie stars who was considered sold and was a profitable. So if you had Mary Pickford in your film, you could sell it to the various um theater companies or theaters with the hope that they would make a profit from that because she was a movie star that people liked and cared about. The same would be with Mae West. And Mae West is like the first bombshell. Um, she gave a whole new meaning to this idea of a sexual innuendo or this sexual being. And um, you, you see her and its gleaming eyes and the way that she was marketed was truly like bow chicka wow wow kind of situation and the idea was that the stars would then work to save the studios where so stars would sell films um if you were a movie star you were an asset to the studio in the 1920s through the 1950s the studios in the star owned excuse me the stars now you can kind of see that in hail caesar now from the 1950s to the 1960s, that became the shift. That's where there was more power. Hollywood stars reflected on Hollywood journalism. So think of that, um, other character, Tilda Swinton's character in Hail Caesar. That was that sensationalized journalism. Well, she's two characters, um, but there she would get powerless. And then if you get money, you'd get the pictures, you'd get the presentation. There's this big idea of a Hollywood persona. So, um, and how you have to think about movie stars as they way they create a Hollywood mask. Now we kind of joke about it in this concept of being Hollywood stars being two-faced. But you have the persona and then the movie star. And then who they really are. So it was like three different faces that one would see. So if you took um, this idea of the girl next door. So... Let's take Scarlett Johansson, who you just saw in Hail Caesar. She's kind of considered the girl next door. Like, everyone relates to her, and everyone's great. And that's kind of the push that people are saying as her, the movie star. You have her, the actress. She's playing... um, you know, the actress in Hail Caesar, then she was in a variety of other films. I think there's some creepy sci-fi ones that she's been in. Um, and she has this weird voice. Then you have her and her previous marriage to Ryan Reynolds. That's another piece. Was that concocted or was that real? That all kind of comes into this persona. And then who she, who she is in real life, who she is behind closed doors. That is the different personalities. Um, that kind of tried to create movie stars as an actual person. You'd have their game face personality, which is like, this is who I'm presenting in front of myself as the movie stars and all the people are taking on um, my role. And then this is who I am as the movie star. And then this is who I am behind closed doors. Um, So you would have the actor, the role, and then the actual person. And it's hard to delineate between those two. And that's something that in this project for the movie star, you're going to do. Um, so you want to find the movie star, find the different roles that they've acted in, who they were as a person, maybe set up by the, the by marketing, maybe not. And then who they were as an actual person. Um, so this all kind of stuff, all of this, the way that the movie stars came to be resulted in types and type casting. So when we talk about Mae West, or we talk about Marilyn Monroe, they were constantly cast in the similar characters. Um, they had a distinct person or public image, and it was an attempt to broaden range. So you know when the cowboy comes off the Western in Hail Caesar, and then he's put into that very specific, very happy location um, on the movie the movie scene, and, and he can't say the correct word. That's that change in um, type or type casting. He's better as the bumbling idiot in a Western than he is as the prim and proper ingenue in a more polite film. Um, So all of this kind of created this weird star image and this star image is again, that extension of self. So an actor would have the persona that provided the primary marks that distinguish the real person underneath, which includes the actor's personal life. So you can think of Mickey Mouse. So technically, Mickey Mouse is the perfect actor because he did whatever you asked. He had no issues and he was widely circulated. But not, but he's also a cartoon. So you can't create that perfect actor because he could do whatever he wanted. I mean, that's why he's Steamboat Willie in one and then he's Fantasia in the other. Like, But he's not an actor. He's not a human. So you add in those human tendencies and that totally changes everything. Um, actors were trying to cast or to be playing themselves, but then that became problematic too. Um, Mickey Mouse always played himself. That's why he's perfect. Um, then you have this major character of John Wayne, like John Wade played two people. He played the script and the person. There wasn't really a third person about John Wayne. Um, that all kind of is the start of movie stars and, who who we are as movie stars now like we all love Tom Hanks you know that he's married to Rita Wilson you know that he is Forrest Gump and Mr. Rogers um but is he all those people is he playing those people or some of that is persona maybe he's a really big jerk and behind closed doors we don't know that that's that's the fun that is I don't believe he is but again that's my interpretation um the thing about movie stars is that only the public can make people movie stars. Studios tried to make a system and they were modeled after like Playboy and the centerfold and like, ooh, look at this. But most of the stars insert the particular need that the public either concisely or consciously or unconsciously had at a particular time for a particular type of role so if you look at tom hanks characters he's played a variety of different roles and he's always found success there because one he sold the movie would forrest gump have been the same if if roles were reversed but also he wanted to he could act this way that is endearing and kind um and it's a social society or societal banter that existed so we seek out movies that, again, are reflective of people we are wanting in our life. That's why film is a two-way mirror. Movie stars are a great example of how American films become two-way mirrors. We look for people who they are. We look for their what they become. And we look for how that we connect to them. So it's important to think about movie stars as a figure of fantasy, but fans are fools. Please excuse my dog. Um, the public can make or break a movie star. Um, now... Over the course of time, there's been a lot of different stars and different approaches to culture, um, and that's where there's a historical survey that kind of came in. So movie stars historically started from the theater, meaning the stage, um, and then you'd have the Victorianism, which is the code of proper value. Now, that very first movie star, Mary Pickford, embodied the profound social changing items. Then you'd have Douglas Fairbanks, Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin. They addressed the anxieties of the audience that were themselves, which was contrasting to a modern 20th century world. So if you think about historically, how did the movie stars all plan out? You see a little bit of that when you look to Charlie Chaplin. You see a little bit about that about how you have movie stars who are great for one film, but then they don't continue on to the next. Um Movie stars kind of were moved per picture and based on salary, which then resulted in the United Artists being created. Um, Then with all of this, you have this idea of modern morality, and it's like the exoticism, the eroticism, and how does that play into field? So Mary Pickford might not go on do a film where her shoulders were shown because that would go against her modern morality where someone else like Mae West, she may, um, that all kind of changed and how the stars were able to dictate that and how the studios dictated that as well. It's like a constant battle. So you'd have like the jazz age, which explored European suffrages. Um, if you watch, uh, the, Oscars. You hear about the Cecil B. DeMille Award who tried to teach lessons through acting and all of that. You have emergence of novel criterion that created the perfect actor or actress at the time. Um, You'd have the quintessential it girl. So we always say like Sandra Bullock or Julia Roberts, they're the it girls now when it comes to films. If you have them, you're going to be great, but there's girls that are equal. Meryl Streep is another person. At one time, it was Greta Garbo um, and then Shirley Temple or Mickey Rooney, all these people kind of changed and helped create this movie star that we so hold on to now. Um, Themes changed, interests changed, but they're all still right there. Um, And then after World War II, There was new things. And I kind of alluded to it before with this concept of morality and Playboy. Well, if you do any research on Playboy, it came at a very interesting time. Hugh Hefner, RIP. But all of that stuff then played into how the movie stars were created and the needs that were from movies. But stardom changed after World War II because people were redefining images. So this need for the girl next door kind of looked into this femme fatale and there was more of a darker side that came with movie stars. Um, There's a psychology and then you have the group theater that started to infiltrate uh, movies which became method acting and you might have seen like Jim Carrey who's done different things or Heath Ledger when he did um, The Joker. These became method actors. Even the most recent Joker have some method tendencies. Here, actors were exploring psychological dimensions, and Hollywood populated a new generation um, that kind of resulted in very high-strung actors. Now, in the 1950s, that became movie stars, and then you'd have anti-stars. So like Jack Nicholson, Clint Eastwood, they were intended to be anti-stars. They just showed up to do the movies, and then they tried to leave the the hullabaloo of Hollywood behind. Um, the 1960s, stars who refused to behave, They, when that happened during the studio system, they would be fired or they would be, um, you know, it would be problematic for them. In the 1960s, that's changed so dramatically because if they refused to behave, but they were gonna be the ones that made the movie, actors and, or studios would try to work with them. <clears throat> um, and a lot of actors tried to refuse typecasting and they wanted to play different people. And you see that a little bit in the movie that we watched for the film Noir, or we'll see different film actors playing different roles at different times. So Clint Eastwood may have never played, he plays very similar characters now, but he's known for his Western character. Um, once that all came to be, you can throw in like Saturday Night Live, this idea of recording things, people becoming cover girls. Um, there was a lot of models in the 1990s even that ended up becoming movie stars. Um, Charlize Theron is one of them. And that, that, that never changed from the 1920s to now. Um, there was constantly different faces. Um, There was always, movies started using what they knew about themselves. In the 1960s, there was a political and cultural climate that was politicized. Movie going public was looking for different pieces. There was fame becoming in other films. So you think of the 1960s, you also have the rise of football. So there we have those football players, their um, athletics, all of that. Changed how the movie stars work. We still have a star system now, in what we seem, but it changed from what it was in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Stars are and always will be commodities, even in today's marketplace, but stars are not born but made with a purpose to sell films. Any movie star is put in place, and it's related on its bank ability. So the star system is an economic reality because all along, um, the most important feature of the motion picture is who is starring in, them, in it. Um, and it's essential to Hollywood because it's the ability to lure spectators into the theater. Um, now, interestingly enough, the idea of women in in movies were not what they once were. So you can think of Julie Roberts, Audrey Hepburn, Joan Crawford. They would always be kind of gambling with the public eye. Um, they are not as in like one of the very first African American movie stars changed how we approach different things and how movie stars were aligned. But the important thing is that Hollywood's biggest attraction has been the stars and the stories that it tells. So stars make the stories, driving them forward to face their personalities. Star build stars build their screen personalities, and they, based on the pleasure that they have to provide to the audience, there is a difference between a movie star and the character they are to perform. Um, the thing is, is that America invented the movie star and the movie star has changed over time, but it's still, again, the commodity that sells films. Um, You're gonna do a little research on the quintessential movie star um, and how they have totally amplified human nature, um, this idea that people are constantly looking for something, and it goes along with the emotional toll and psychological elements of being a movie star. But keeping in mind that stars are independent artists, that they were packaged and they're trying to constantly reinvent in order to make the type of film necessary. Um, And it, it definitely comes from what how the initial film ideas came to be with the Hollywood style.